On today's episode of Wizards After Dark, we're going to talk about Mo Wagner, him coming back into the lineup, as well as John Morant's triple-double against the Grizzlies and their big win over the Wizards, the offense going cold late in the game, and Davis Bertans potentially getting some more shots. The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by Quip Electric Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds, so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months, like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com listen. Getquip.com listen. I am back with a new episode of this podcast. I say that like I haven't podcasted in three years. I podcasted two days ago after the trade deadline, but I'm still back. Unfortunately for all of you, I'm podcasting about another Wizards loss. The Wizards fell to 18 and 33, lost at home to the Grizzlies, 106 to 99. John Morant had his first career triple-double. He had 27, 10, and 10. I saw a stat where the most... Triple doubles with two, at least 27 points. Tim McMahon from ESPN tweeted out the most triple doubles with 27 points uh, or more uh, it, it, under the age of 21. And the list is like, John now has one. Uh, LeBron had three or five or something like that. And Luca has 14. It's ridiculous. I didn't know Luca had 14 triple doubles, period. Yeah. <laughs> 14 with 27 plus, And everyone else is like, LeBron's like five. It's ridiculous. Uh, Beal at 26. The Wizards offense went totally cold. Didn't have a bucket in the last four minutes and 52 seconds of the game. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. I'm the guy who's back. And I'm with Amari Sankova, who covers uh, the Grizzlies. Does a great job for uh, us at The Athletic. Yeah, I believe this is my second time on here. Uh, how, how the ties have shifted. I think this time last year, Beal came off this massive game. And now we're talking about John Morant, who just played his like 49th game. And yeah, 27, 10 to 10. Uh, it's pretty... It's pretty crazy, you know, like especially with Rising Stars Challenge coming on the Friday. I think Josh trying to build his uh, his popularity as as we go into the weekend. Yeah, make sure Zion doesn't sneak up on him. <laughs> so the Grizzlies have what three three guys from Rising Stars, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, who both struggled tonight outside of the last five minutes, and then obviously Ja, who you know I, I would imagine is probably starting on that team. Yeah, and the uh, Wizards have two. Nice, nice Rising Stars preview with Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner there. Okay, I was trying to guess who the second one was. I was like, Rui for sure, but Mo Wagner. Yeah, no one, no one expects Wagner. Yeah. But Mo Wagner's good. He is good. I mean, a, a, a legit Wizards thing now is who's better, Mo Wagner or Thomas Bryant, who they just signed for three for 25 last year. Wagner 19-9 and nine tonight. Scott Brooks kind of talked about his warts after the game where he, he gets in the wrong place on defense. I mean, so is Thomas Bryant. He gets in the wrong place on defense, and uh, it's not an effort thing. Dude plays really hard. It's it's just a you're a 22 year old kind of big man thing, uh, and he didn't play a lot last year. But he's good. He is. He started off the year as one of the most efficient, not just bigs, one of the most efficient rotation players in the NBA. 69 percent true shooting like a 60% effective field goal percentage or something. He's still shooting 70% on two-pointers and and just shy of 40% on three-pointers. He has been amazing. He's 75% at the rim right now. Uh, him and Thomas Bryant are both in the top four in the NBA right now on uh, percentage at the rim. 
Thomas Bryant's like 78 and he's 75. Both incredible numbers. Uh, he's been one of the most efficient scorers in the league as a big man. He's averaging like 21 and, and 11 per 36. And he's only playing 22 minutes because of foul trouble and because they have a bunch of centers and because he's, you know, he's got the defensive problems. But he, he takes charges. There there's, are some positives there defensively. And, and an interesting thing with, with Mo Wagner, I didn't podcast after their last game because I don't do weekend podcasts, but Bradley Beal hits a game winner. And on the game winning play, Mo Wagner sets a pin down and then turns around and sets a screen for Bradley Beal. And I think at the beginning of the year, Scott Brooks wouldn't have trusted Wagner at that because there's a pretty decent chance he would have set an illegal screen. I think he's developing into a pretty good screener too. Um, I'm just, tonight he has 19 and nine, shot selection's great. He took a mid-range shot tonight and it was like baffling because he never does that. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of buying in on Mo Wagner being like a, a good player. I am too. You know, I watched a good amount of Mo Wagner uh, being a Michigan State guy. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he was good. I mean, you know, John Beeline, obviously, when he was at Michigan, had a very modern scheme. A guy like Wagner, you know, could just kind of drift out, take threes. You know, he was good. I didn't think if he, he would be more than maybe a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, he was an okay rebounder. He was an okay defender. Like, his main thing was his shooting. I did not think that midway through his, his second year, uh, we'd be having a conversation where, you know, if you consider all the NBA guys, John Beeline has produced, you know, that's a group that includes uh, Glenn Robinson III and Trey Burke and Karis LeVert, that Bo Wagner, you know, five, six years from now might be the best of all those guys. You know, like Beeline's produced some good guys, but yeah, Bo Wagner's been killing it. You know, he looks like a modern big, you know, in, in, in every way, shape, and form. If he can screen well, if he can continue to develop defensively, he'll be good. But even if he's just an okay defender, you know, to have a guy who can shoot a rebound the way he does, and as you mentioned, get better as a screener, he's adding these things to his game. And, uh, you know, he's still somewhat young. This is his second year, right? He was drafted yeah. by the Lakers, and yeah, and now he's in year two. I mean, he's really seasoned the most of this opportunity. Uh, former Lakers guys could have been a pretty good team this year. But they're all on the Wizards. Yeah, they're all on the Wizards or, or the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good starting five. Yeah. I mean, all the guys they gave up, don't get me wrong, and they, they would do that AD trade 100 times out of 100. Sure. But, like, all the guys they gave up in that AD trade, I mean, between Wagner and, and then all the Pelicans guys, Ingram has been, in, you know, he's an all-star, a deserving all-star. He's been great this year. And Lonzo, for all of his words, is still a good, you know, solid NBA player. And uh, Josh Hart has had a really good year in New Orleans. And, yeah, I mean, they gave up a lot to get Anthony Davis. They would do it 100 times out of 100. That team is awesome and can win the title. Uh but they, they gave stuff up. It's not like they got Anthony Davis for free. The thing with Wagner that I think is interesting is the screening stuff. And I think I'm going to write something on this for this week. I'm going to write something on Wagner going into Rising Stars. But with the, with the screening specifically, so at the beginning of the year, he's getting called for all these illegal screens, right? Like a lot of young big men. And there are ways to get called for illegal screens that are like, this dude doesn't know what he's doing and he's reckless and it's just like he doesn't even know how to control his body. And then there are other ways which I think are, can be kind of encouraging. Because if you look at like the absolute top tier best screeners, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett has never set a legal screen in his entire life. Every single screen that he does, he does something illegal. That's why he is one of the greatest screeners we'll ever see. Tim Duncan never set legal screens. He was doing so something. hard to kind of lean into it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, that's a screen. Right. Whatever. <laughs> there was always something illegal with those guys' screens. The trick to being a great screener is not to not do illegal screens. It's to do something a little bit illegal and just never get called for it. 
Draymond Green is great at that. DeAndre Jordan is great at that. Steven Adams is great at that. These guys are, are killer, killer screeners. Uh, Zaza Petrulia was always really, really good at that. These guys are, are great. So, I mean, I can keep going. Cody Zeller is awesome at that. Like, all these guys are really good at that. And I think Mo Wagner understands, I know Mo Wagner understands that concept really well because he has said to me before, on the record, to paraphrase, um, it's only illegal if they see it. Yeah. Uh, and he understands that concept well, and he's not really getting dinged for that many illegal screens now. And you go back and look at the slow-mo replay, and it's like, uh, his base is wider than his shoulders there. That's that's not legal. He, but he's getting away with this kind of stuff. I, I think he's got potential there to be really good at this. And if that's the case, all of a sudden you've got a guy who's freeing guards, who who is – He's a good match with Bertans now offensively because he can shoot two and he can set screens to free him up. He can pick and pop better. Brooks wants him to roll more on the on those screen rolls, but like, there's something, you know. There's something for sure. That's funny you mentioned Mo Wagner and the illegal screens because Jaron said a lot of those when he was a rookie too, but he got whistled for all of them. Jaron may have the worst luck in the league as far as not getting away with anything. You know, he averages like four fouls a game, and three and a half of those are like, you know, a lot of guys probably want to be called for that. But this Wizards team, they have, like, some sneaky good prospects going into next season. Like, you get John Wall back, Bertans is shooting lights out, and I know they want to bring him back. Uh, they asked for two, set, like, first-round picks at, at the deadline, which I think understandably nobody wanted to do. But, but he's a really good guy. Uh, Mo Wagner, obviously, is playing really well. Bradley Bill's Bradley Bill. They, like, they have some sneaky good pieces. Like, whenever you have two bigs that can shoot lights out and Wagner and, and, and Bertans, you have two guards that can – Obviously, use those screens, use that space, and really attack the paint. And in Bill's case, being a pretty good three-point shooter as well. I mean, a guy like Bo Wagner, to me, kind of changes their tra- trajectory going forward because there's not a lot of teams that have bigs who can, you know, like rebound but also hit threes at a pretty high clip. I mean, that's that's one of those things that can really open up your offense and create that extra space and get guys going. Uh, I like I like the Wizards. I feel like I would I would buy low on them going into next season. If they're not. What do you think of Rui? I like Rui a lot. He's he's tough. You know, he rebounds really well. I don't know how many rebounds he's averaging, but uh, he he rebounds well. He has a nice touch out from mid-range. Uh, I'm sure his defense has probably been, you know, like here and there since he's a, a rookie, but I know he had a lot of criticism going in, into the draft, and I think he's exceeded expectations so far for sure uh you know it was cool seeing him get the i mean i call it the the, the uta treatment because that's you know my my vantage point but you know obviously he has a huge following in japan and uh i mean he's a really good player uh yeah i've been talking to japanese media throughout the season and he's kind of stolen some of Yuta's thunder because really is an nba player like a legit nba player um he had a double double tonight or, or close to it right yeah 12 12 and yeah. see we got the we got the paper right here we got the Unnecessary wasted paper, killing yeah, trees for no reason. Uh, uh, Gree had twelve and eleven tonight. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you bring up Yuta, yeah. and uh, tonight must have been a big, a big deal to Japanese basketball fans, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is this is basically their Super Bowl. Like I remember when the Wizards came to uh, FedEx Forum earlier this year, it was like the same deal. Uh, you know, Rui and Yuta are like the two Japanese players in the NBA. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is big for them. You, like you, you see after games, I see after games. Like those guys always have cameras on them. Uh, this season, it's been 
John, you the you like trading places, grabbing most cameras on them after games. Uh, I've done interviews with Japanese media, like they had me when I was at Summer League last year, they had me on TV. And it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's a unique perspective. You talk about the NBA as a global game, and you really see it on nights like tonight uh, when when Yuta and Rui have the most cameras on them out of just about anybody. I mean, Ja had a triple-double, and I don't, I'm not sure if he had more attention after the game than Yuta did. Let's talk Ja. I want to talk about Ja. He's, he's crazy. Like, he is so talented. This is the first time I've seen him play in person. But he is so, yeah, so 27, 10, and 10. Uh, not the first, one of the first players under 21, I guess, to have a triple-double with 27-plus points. Still can't believe Luka did that 14 times already. You, 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 you could throw out any Lucas stat, and I, and I would believe it. Like, you know, like 14, shoot, you could have said 20. I'd be like, yeah, I guess yeah. that's right. That's you would believe it. I could be lying. You could be yeah. lying, but I believe it. <laughs> but I believe it. That's how good Lucas been. You know, John, yeah, I mean, you know, John's not like a Westbrook-level rebounder, but, you know, the points and assists have been there for him all season, so it kind of just felt in, in, inevitable. Uh, John's a gamer. That's just the best way I can I can put it. John competes, and he is so far ahead of the pack, you know, for a guy who's 20 years old in so many different categories. I mean, his footwork is good, like just great athlete, obviously. He didn't really – he had everything tonight except like that highlight dunk he usually goes for. Uh, his playmaking, like there was a stretch in the third quarter where he either scored or assisted on 13 of their uh, 16 buckets. Uh, of course, that fourth quarter was phen- phenomenal. I mean, the ball's in his hands every single possession. And, you know, teams can t- take him out of his game. Like there are some, you know, buckets that the Grizzlies had to wait till the last five seconds of the shot clock to get. But, you know, he sees everybody on the court. Uh, you know, he had that late pass to Brendan Clark, who had been struggling all night to hit the three. Uh, he had an assist to Kyle Anderson that, I mean, live it just looked like a normal pass, but then you see the replay and he sneaks it like just gently past two uh, Wizards defenders. It's like this Peyton Manning-esque just like pass. And like he does stuff like that every single night. Like, you know, this is a dude who is an elite athlete that also just has incredible touch on the ball. And you don't usually see point guards that have both. It's like one or the other. Like right. you're a great athlete and an okay passer or, you know, you're a great finisher, but, you know, you, you're a little bit of a ball hog. You know, for a guy who can get to the run the way he does and dunk the way he does, that you know also looks like Chris Paul in spurts. It's like, man, like you know, this guy's already a problem, and it, this is like halfway through his rookie year. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, seeing the contrast between him in the fourth and the Wizards' offense in the fourth was amazing because they they scored, like I said, with four fifty two left in the fourth quarter. They scored. I guess they got one one more bucket. I forget what it was. I think Mo Vachter might hit a three. Mm-hmm. Um, Late. But they real late, yeah. like like with 18 seconds left or something. Uh, but they went about four and a half minutes. The game was over by then. They went about four and a half minutes without scoring. Uh, he hit that big three basically uh, as the dagger to put it away. And they just, man, their, their offense went cold. But I didn't think they were taking really good shots. A lot of their shots were rushed. Uh, Beal has a tendency to go hero ball late in games, which he didn't used to. And and there are still times where he doesn't, but he, he has a tendency to go hero ball late in games. Uh, he said after the game, one of the things they need to do is they need to make a conscious effort to get Bertans the ball more. Teams are picking up Bertans at like half court to start games now when they weren't doing that earlier in the year. So it's it's tougher to get him the ball now. Um, just because teams are, they know what he is now. And so he's just not taking as many threes as he used to. He's not really having those games where he takes 
14 threes anymore. That's not really happening. So, so maybe they do need to make some kind of adjustment in that sense. But, like, they had a lot of one-pass shot possessions late in that game. And, like, it was tied with 452 left. It's not like they were down six and they were panicky with, the, with the, you know, how much time was left. Like, there were just a lot of one-pass, no-pass possessions late in that game. And I just – I didn't think the possessions looked – very good for their offense, which has been a very good offense this year, uh, but it wasn't for those four and a half minutes. Yeah, they had a lot of shots rim out. You know, they had some looks that I thought were good, and, you know, the ball just didn't bounce correctly. Uh, I mean, they were better offensively tonight than the Grizzlies up until that final, you know, six, seven second stretch. I mean, or minute stretch. You look at the Grizzlies shooting five of 32 from three. Uh, but I thought a lot of that, like, you know, Jaron and Brandon Clark, I thought really turned up defensively toward the end. Uh, you know, just swarming, moving around. You know, I assume that's probably their front court of the future. And defensively, you know, they're just a, a perfect fit. You know, Jaron can hit them some stuff against smaller players and spurts. You know, Brandon's just basically, you know, your perfect six eight forward. You know, you can move him around however. And, you know, they were creating some some issues. You know, like Ish Smith isn't a great scorer. You know, there was a moment when Ish was isolated on, on Jaron and Jaron's face got to stay in front of him. And, you know, he did a good job of that. Uh, you know, so I think it was the Grizzlies turning up defensively and then the Wizards just also having a little bit of bad luck, but you don't accidentally, you know, mm-hmm. like not score for five minutes at the same time. Uh, Taylor caught this a defining win for the Grizzlies. And, you know, I thought, you know, that sounds pretty, pretty accurate. You're down seven with 10 minutes left and then you win by seven. Uh, Wizards just seem like they, they lack a secondary wing who can take some pressure off of. Uh, Brad Bradley Bill, like Bertans, Wagner, like they're great shooters, but you know, but they're catch and shoot guys. Like you, you could take them away, like you mentioned with Bertans. Uh, you know, I don't know if that guy, if John Wall will come back and be able to be that guy or what. But this the offense has been good. Scott Brooks is a great coach. Uh, this was just one of those weird games. You know, you know, like John goes for a triple double and he takes over, and you know, it's a game game of runs. Grizzlies just had the last run. Yep. This well said. Anything? Uh, anything else? Anything to plug? Anything big you got coming out that you want people to read? Yeah, so uh, actually, I, th- I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. You retweeted me, but uh, uh, this is timely. Wizards, I appreciated that they had the Black History Month uh, factoids and and everything on the Jumbotron. That's the mm-hmm. first team I've seen do that. You know, and I thought that was fitting. You know, obviously since they have the Martin Luther King statue here and you know in the museum and everything, but. I'm doing a story on the Memphis Civil Rights Museum and how the NBA has embraced that, made it a part of their programming, the MLK programming, and the Grizzlies, of course, have done a lot with that museum as well. So uh, I think we're doing a blitz of Black History Month stories this week to Athletic, and uh, that's going to come out a little bit later on this week ahead of All-Star Weekend. So, so something for you all to pay attention to and look out for. Great. We will look out for it. All right. Uh, I, I will be back. So I'm not doing a post-game show after Tuesday's game against Chicago uh, because it's a back-to-back. Uh, and so I will be doing one Wednesday after they play in New York. That's the last game before the All-Star, before the All-Star break. So, so my next episode is going to be up after this one Thursday morning. Uh, I'll record that one after the next game in New York from MSG. Again, no podcast post game on Tuesday. So if you're refreshing and it's not showing, it's because it's not there. Uh, if you're just listening to this and you're not subscribed, you should subscribe to Wizards After Dark. And you should go on iTunes and 
give us five stars and maybe leave a nice review. That stuff always helps. You can subscribe to The Athletic if you're just a subscriber to the podcast or you're listening to the podcast and you're not a subscriber to The Athletic. You can subscribe and you can get 40% off on an annual subscription to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Again, that's theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark for 40% off on an annual subscription to The Athletic. Uh, Like I said, I'll be back recording after the game on Wednesday and uh, it'll be up Thursday morning for you guys to listen. I'll talk to you guys then.